welcome to Happy News Network. We are here to brighten your week while you take a break from doom scrolling. I'm Kristen. And I'm Shayna. We wanted to brighten social media, so we decided to make a podcast all about happy news. Join us as we discuss our happy news finds. Shayna, what is your happy news this week? I have a subscription box that I really like, and one of the items in it was a coffee exfoliating scrub, and I miss the smell of coffee terribly. Uh, I just love the smell of coffee, so to be able to consume it in some capacity without it being this addicting, addicting uh, caffeine product is really cool, and it gets everywhere in the shower because it's little coffee grinds, so it's kind of messy, but it smells so good, and it's worth every ounce of scrubbing the shower down. I love that. You don't always have time for that cup of coffee in the morning, you know? Like right. you pour it, but then it's like four hours later and you're like, oh crap. And like, I don't even have a kid. So like, I can't even imagine what like <laughs> people with kids are like, oh, wild. My happy news this week that I can't shut up about is that rehearsals are happening and they're weird and they're different and they're short. And we like do our show one night in two days, but I'm pumped that it's somewhat familiar. I'm in my home theater that I haven't been in in a year. Like I'm listening to songs I haven't heard sung live in so long. And yeah, like tell me why listening to a song from Annie makes me want to cry. Like that is cringy, but wow. Correct. It starts and I'm like, oh my God, the sun will come out tomorrow. Like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Nightmare. So I hate myself, but I'm also very pumped for what I'm doing right now. So I found this really cool story. Like I'm going to talk about plastic. Shocker, everybody jaw dropped, never happened before. So last year I shared that a majority of plastics that we recycle can't actually be reused and end up in landfills despite our efforts. And it's not just in America. This is a worldwide issue. And a woman in Kenya decided to take matters into her own hands. She says she was sick of waiting for the government to do something and decided to do it herself. And she's also just a super curious person. So she experimented for fun and then ended up developing this paver brick made out of these plastics that these recycled plastics, like the plastic bags and milk jugs and things that come in colors that can't be burned down to make a new product. They're burnt at such a high temperature that the material turns gray and then is undesirable for reuse. That was the whole point of that other article that I talked about. Well, these pavers are gray and that looks exactly like concrete, but because of how tightly woven plastic fibers are, they end up being stronger, but also lightweight. And because they're made of recycled materials, they're cheap. So after testing the product over and over and over for a couple years, her factory is now producing 1500 bricks a day. And she has a goal of producing 4,500 paver bricks a day by the end of 2021. And she was so cute in this interview video that I watched. She was like, my company is a triple threat because we are stronger, lighter, and affordable. And she absolutely believes that she'll break even by the end of this year and meet her goal of 4,500 pavers a day, which, yeah. That's exciting. Incredible. And I love that everything top to bottom of that story. I, I yeah. just, well, I'm going to talk about something that is, sort of just heartwarming and uh it's I saw this old video and I guess it's resurfaced after having been on the internet for a few years uh two seemingly unrelated groups of people are 
little itty bitty kiddos, and old people. So a Welsh retirement home opened its doors to children from an orphanage. This Welsh retirement home opening its doors uh, was inspired by a Canadian social experiment. The Nightingale House retirement home saw children mingle with their residents in all the right ways. The children were learning from their elders. The children brought this vitality and energy to the residents. It was it's just this win-win situation. And before the visit started, the administration were noting that residents looked lackluster or unattentive, or maybe they just seemed generally sad, which I imagine it, it I imagine it's very easy to, to feel that way in that situation. And the activities for both the old and the young helped recharge positive energy. Like what a great way to describe the burst of energy little kids bring, especially to people who maybe have grandkids or don't get to see their families as often. Uh, it's just so sweet. And in the photos, there there were these activities they were doing together and one of them looked like a music class. There was someone with a guitar and all the kids were on the floor and every all the adults were around them in their various forms of chairs, wheelchairs, walk. It was so sweet. And this experiment has been around for a while, the idea of mixing young and old. Uh, for example, back in 1991, the Providence Mount St. Vincent Assisted Living Facility uh, created and facilitated visits from groups of children from daycare and preschool centers. So I don't know, there's sort of this magic of little innocent toddlers running around wreaking havoc that brings joy to people who want that human connection. And there's a lot less conversation to have because they don't speak as much, uh, but they're just generally like shouting and giggling. So I, I imagine as we figure out methods of vaccination and how to remingle with each other, hopefully this style of, of blending sort of the village wisers with the village youngsters is sort of, it sort of catches more traction. I love that. In I think it was in high school. Maybe I made this up or I blacked out or something, but I'm pretty sure I remember going to our retirement home in high school and like playing Wii bowling mm. with residents. Like, and That's it was just nifty. so fun. Yeah. And like we would decorate for holidays and we would play games with them. Yeah. What the heck was that program? Did that really happen? I don't know. If anybody else remembers that, please let me know that I'm not just making that up. I love that though. Like in middle school through my Hebrew school, we did a Sunday every month or whatever, like the kids from my class are part of our class was to go to a local retirement community and hang out with uh, the people who live there. And it was, uh, sometimes it was just a real joy to sit and hear what they had to say and to tell them what we were up to because, you know, they're not out in the world and they want to hear about it. And it's a way of talk, you know, someone who's directly unrelated to them there's no jealousy there's just there's just sympathetic sort of happiness yeah or maybe the, I guess empathetic happiness yeah yeah and like there's no like I know with my family we do a, and I think I do it with you guys too I'll start a story and be like I've already told you this story haven't I but with somebody new that's not ever gonna happen <laughs> you just keep mm -hmm. telling your story to the same a new kid every single day I think it's incredible mm-hmm mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. Speaking of stories from days gone by, I have a pirate story. Like, 
a pirate story. So I don't know about all y'all, but when Pirates of the Caribbean came out was also around the time when I got internet at my house. So I did a lot, which ages me, I guess, but I did a lot of like, were pirates a real thing? What about Jack Sparrow? Was that real? Like we've talked about this before. Like, is this a historical thing? I need to know everything about it and spit facts while I'm watching this film. So anyway, (laughs) right. I like love me some pirate legends. So there's a ton of potential pirate shipwrecks off the East coast of America, but apparently the world's only verified pirate ship sank off the coast of Cape Cod, Massachusetts in 1717 and wasn't discovered until 1984. So that blows my mind, but that's not what this is about. So the story of that ship goes that it was originally commissioned for the British slave trade and was commandeered less than a year later by a man named Samuel Bellamy, who called himself the Robin Hood of the Seas. And there's a museum in Cape Cod dedicated to this legend and says that Bellamy's mission was to find his lover plundering various other ships en route. So I think that's incredible, but it only lasted like two months before the ship got caught up in a severe storm off the coast of Massachusetts and sank and the crew and Bellamy and everybody died. So that's tragic. But, but recently six skeletons were found where they think this, where the shipwreck was found. So they think they could maybe put together that it was this Captain Bellamy pirate man and using DNA, they can match his bones to relatives. And like, even if it's not Captain Bellamy, how cool would it be to be like, my great, 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 great grandfather was maybe a pirate. Like I might just start saying that anyway. I love pirates. I love learning about them I like how I don't know I guess part of me is like how have we only got one confirmed ship maybe it's because they commandeered ships instead of making their own I don't know time to go back down the google hole like the google rabbit hole um I I feel like I would never have heard about this if it weren't for you so thank you so much I'm not talking about anything aquatic or historic or anything my my next article is a completely different uh left turn. Uh, The prestigious Rhodes Scholarship was awarded in in December 2020 to Santiago Potes. He is the first Latino DACA recipient. So he's part of the dreamers. Uh, So at four years old, Santiago's parents took him and they fled from Colombia to to Miami. And now at 23, so it's been 19 years in America, He is a Columbia University graduate, and he, in this article, he talks about his early education roots and how his second grade teacher helped establish and confirm his love for learning. So his second grade teacher uh, taught a gifted classroom that he was placed into, and she became a mentor, and he described her classroom as a boot camp for education, and I'm guessing it was like a very positive, enriching environment because it helped him hone in on the idea of being a renaissance man. She would sort of talk about the idea of a, of a renaissance man, and it was a bit of a light bulb moment for him, and he's sort of retained that philosophy. So this is such a beautiful story. This fall, Santiago, Santiago is going to the University of Oxford to pursue his master's in international relations with his long-term goals of 
coming back to America to be either a national security expert or a Senate counselor. He wants to use his academic opportunities to help the United States. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. And what a beautiful story of someone who came to this country as a, uh, as a four-year-old, uh, grew up here, has made a home here, has been handsomely awarded the most prestigious academic scholarship for being himself. And now he wants to turn that award on its head and can give back to his country. It is so beautiful start to finish. Yeah. Wow. That makes my last story seem pretty silly, but (laughs) we're going to do it. So have, have you seen this? This is another crazy thing that maybe has been around, but I just don't know because I'm behind the times. They discovered an ancient Egyptian brewery. Anyone? Anyone? So again, just that sentence alone I could talk about for my remaining like two and a half minutes. Um, Anyway. I'm hoping it's not inside the same mall that this funeral home you talked about a few weeks ago was found in because I don't know that I'd want beer from there. Yeah, I don't know, but it gets a little weird. So an Egyptian American team found this huge brewery and it's dated back like, 5,000 years, like it's 5,000 years old and was able to crank out 5,000 gallons of beer at a time. So that's incredible by like today's standards. So that's amazing. And during these excavations, researchers already determined that beer, beer was used for sacrificial rites and may have been built in this location specifically to serve royalty during rituals that took place inside funeral facilities. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, this is another, like, I don't think this is real, but I, I read it on the BBC and Nat Geo. I was like, you are kidding me. Like, this is fake, right? No, it's not. Brewery used for funeral things and other kinds of rituals. And yeah incredible mind blown i'm still caught on the quantity of beer that it produced per day that's insane Five thousand gallons of beer at a time get out get out of town that's a lot of irish drinking song to sing while you're <laughs> consuming all of that um i guess it's a good thing it was in coordination with funeral homes because then there's less singing to do um <laughs> oh my this God. is so remarkable and i'm curious like how like I need to go research this and, and like, see how did they make the beer? How did they make so much of it? They made it, they made it like the same kind of processes that we do now. It's just, I think I read just because there were Clydesdales and everything. No, LOL. Oh my God. But like, I read, like there were a ton of numbers involved, but the amount of like vats, you know, we have like the big, uh, like mash tons and stuff now, but they were just these big clay pots, like tons of them. Like, I think there were 16 rooms and each room had like 40 pots that were all a part of the brewing process. Like I've been to Coors and this is blowing my mind a little bit more than Coors. Like that's incredible. Not knocking on Coors. I love me a good Coors Light. I, um, yeah, incredible. Like, does Untapped work over there? Like, can I put it on my little beer tracker app? I just <laughs> anyway. 
And sort of that was the next thought that crossed my mind too, is how can we taste it? And can it reopen and be used again? Like, could you imagine like, um, where are you going on your vacation? We're going to an ancient Egyptian brewery. Yeah, that's 5,000 years old. What? Yes. Like I think of like Williamsburg, Virginia and like how they do like everything in colonial times. I'm like, okay, cool. But can we do that in Egypt with this brewery and maybe the funeral home thing? Maybe I'll check that out. But uh, well, going even further across the globe, uh, my last article is all about robots. So yeah, like Wally, but for water cleanup. So uh, in Hong Kong, they debu- they recently debuted back in 2019, this adorable new aquatic robot. Uh, the Open Ocean Engineering developed this robot nicknamed ClearBot, and it helps clear trash or plastic garbage from local bodies of water. Yeah. So ClearBot launched in 2019 and it can be operated remotely or autonomously. It works in lakes, canals, harbors, and other similar types of bodies of water. How does ClearBot work? Excellent question. It uses a computer vision system to spot the trash. Then it collects it into a mesh bin via a conveyor belt system. So you and I talk a lot about how can someone make something without reinventing the wheel? Well, this is innovative because it uses multiple pre-existing technologies put together for a more topical usage. Conveyor belts, computer vision systems, mesh bins for collecting things, all things that existed and just hadn't worked like this before. So after 48 hours, ClearBot's battery will start to get low. So it will stop and head back to a central docking station where the bin is emptied and the solar powered battery recharges. Another combination of innovated, pre-innovated, already existing technology. So Le ClearBot can hold up to 200 liters, AKA 52.8 gallons of waste at a time. It can clean a square kilometer, which is 0.38 square miles in eight hours. It is 15 times cheaper, has five times more reach, and removes two times more trash daily compared to most top systems of plastic removal and waste removal that exist today. So uh, if... I, I just feel like more people need to know about the ClearBot so more people can use ClearBot because imagine like a little army of ClearBots going out and cleaning waters. Like we've talked about for ocean and how they send humans to clean up shorelines. I imagine those efforts where ClearBot can't get too close to the shoreline or it can't go into those types of bodies of water, but like you sort of do the two-pronged attack. I mean, we could really do some plastic removal uh, damage. <laughs> we can yeah. really make a dent in the pounds and pounds of plastic out there. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I love that. I feel like I've seen a video of that kind of, with the conveyor belt going mm-hmm. like, it's really cool. Oh, it's really it cool. It looks stuff. so cute. It looks like a little coast guard boat. It's the cutest thing. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not this major piece of machinery. It's like the same size as other things that are floating around. So mm-hmm. what's one more thing that's actually cleaning up after us? Uh, and it's solar powered, which is extremely neat. Uh, it doesn't rely yeah. on any sort of oil. Yeah. You don't have to plug it in 
it's great. Right. And it's not contributing waste while removing waste. Like it's not one waste for the other. Uh, it's right. a full removal operation. Right. I am obsessed with that. What are you looking forward to? Yeah. So I know I can't shut up about being in an actual rehearsal process, but I'm really looking forward to taking what I'm learning this week and doing it maybe in the summer outside, maybe in a few months. I We don't really know it. We're taking everything like a day at a time, mm-hmm. um, but just taking what I'm learning about this process and doing it on a bigger scale for a larger actual musical, but just taking everything that I'm learning and, you know, maybe, maybe you don't need actors all day for this rehearsal. Maybe it's okay to just use some tech stuff and then call actors in later. Maybe it's okay to just, you know, simple is sometimes better. And that's what I'm learning right now. And yeah. And I'm sort of using this as like my, I'm sort of cheating and taking this as my looking forward to, I'm looking forward to watching the streaming of this. I think it's, inspirational that regional theater can start to make comebacks by utilizing and capitalizing on the fact that ticket sales aren't the only reason why you do a show in a regional setting. There's a huge community entertainment aspect and value to it. And so that you can use this experience to say, this is working well, this is not working so well. How can we do more entertainment for the community based on what we're learning? I think regional theaters will be making a comeback on a quicker timeline than maybe the larger scale community of theater. And so I look forward to hearing your takeaways, uh, you know, sort of once you've had time to digest everything and sort of really think about it uh, so that I can also take note and, and start to think about how to implement things into my future stage management projects too. Yeah, it's exciting. But I, I could talk about cooking. I could talk about, you, you know, all of the everyday things, but this is like an event in a way. And I have no events going on in life. So this is in some ways like the event that I get to look forward to through you. Um, and I'll probably have like a cute little viewing party to watch it. I'm very excited. Party of one. Uh, it'll be me, maybe my (laughs) pillow pet, uh, and maybe a glass of wine. (laughs) It'll be a party. Do it. I love that. Yeah. And that's the thing that I love about the theater community is like, Hey, I'm going to try this thing. And if anybody wants to talk to me the day after about how it went, and if you want to start doing that, great, let's chat about it. You know, we're not so like, this is my thing and this is what I'm doing and get out of it. Like maybe sometimes we are about some things, but like things like this, when it's in terms of like getting our community is shut down. So getting reopened is just picking everybody's brain who's trying to do it and what works best for all these people. So yeah. And that community crowd think it's, it's how we, the people who are doing the work, not the, there, there are lots of people work behind the scenes to make the rules and the policies and everything, but the people who implement them, um, the way that we can share feedback is really, really valuable because also context matters. Like what works for you in Colorado may not work for someone off Broadway or on Broadway, uh, there, there are certain different ways that we can adapt and modify them. So I'm, I'm very, very excited. Right. And uh, I don't know, I feel like we, we take such deep dives in these episodes to talk about technology and green things, just to talk about the thing that's most familiar to the two of us. Theater mm-hmm. is just really soothing. Yeah. Thanks. We 
love all forms of happy news and happenings. Be sure to send us your own day-to-day -day happy news. Cute pet stories, kids saying the darndest things, whatever you're up to, we love it all. Email us at hnnpodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow us on social media at hnnpodcast for happy news throughout the week. And be sure to subscribe to us through Patreon where you'll get exclusive content and more. Until next time, I'm Kristen. And I'm Shayna. Have, Have a happy, happy week. week.